Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. We will begin our reading with the first verse of John's Gospel, chapter 14, with Jesus addressing his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Thank you, Tyler. And thank you, Teresa. Well, you're stuck with me. (laughs) As Tyler mentioned, Pastor Todd's not feeling well. He's got acute bronchitis. And uh, he said when he tries to talk sometimes... He gets into these coughing fits, and he didn't think that would be a good thing to do on Sunday morning. But he was planning on being here, and he wanted to, because it wasn't until Friday night at about 20 minutes till 9 that he texted me and said, Could you? (laughs) Sure. And uh, But the good news is, his message for next week is already prepared. Okay. So I've got a different one that we're going to do this morning. And as we, as I prepare to start, I just want to remind you that at any time during this service, like Tyler said, our prayer team is back there. And if you feel the need for prayer, or there's something you need to be prayed for or with, or want someone to pray with you about, then please take advantage of that. That's why they're there, to be there for you. As we read in the scripture this morning, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And the message that we're in, the series that we're in, is did Jesus really say that? And yes, he did. And when I started looking into that and and refreshing my memory on that entire passage and the text and putting it into context, I was reminded of a story I had read one time about a man who was walking along the beach. And as he walked along the beach, he found a magic lamp. And as he found this magic lamp, 
He picked it up and he rubbed it and the genie came out and the genie said, someone else was here before you, so two of the wishes are already taken, there's only one left. So the man thought about it. And he thought, hmm, I need to make this a good one. So he said, I know what I want. He said, I want the newspaper financial section for the newspaper one year from today. That way I'll know what's going on with the stocks and investments. And I won't be able to make a mistake. And he thought for a moment, he thought, man, what a good plan. And with that, the paper fell on the ground. The genie was gone. And he picked up the paper and he thought, ah, this is it. And he sat down and he looked at the paper and then thought for a minute, this is going to be great. And then he set the paper down for a second and he just kind of put it face down. But then he looked on the back page and it was the obituary section. And his name was the first one there. So things weren't going to go the way he had planned. And you know, sometimes we face things in life where things don't go the way we thought. I know there's no one here that's ever had it happen to where you were planning one thing and something else came about and changed your plans. That's never happened to you. It's happened to me, though. (laughs) I know it's happened to us all. We've had those times in life where nothing seemed to go the way we thought. Everything that we were looking forward to just seemed to go in a different direction. We had built up plans for one thing, and then things got turned around the other. And sometimes it causes us to be dismayed and a little distraught. And maybe even some heartache can set in there. And things aren't going the way we thought they were. And it can bring some real personal stress. That's where we're at this morning with the series, Did Jesus Really Say That? And I just couldn't think anything else, so I decided to call it Divine Cardiology. (laughs) How the Lord deals with the heart. I don't know if you have a cardiologist. (laughs) Some of us do. And we're grateful to have them because they know things about the heart and they keep the heart going and ticking. And keep it going for us so we can be like the little energizer bunny and just keep on going. As we look to this passage in John's Gospel, chapter 14, we need to put it into a perspective. We need to first look at the background and then the context, and then we'll look at the text. That's kind of where we're going. Now the background to it, to all these things, is to remember Jesus is in his earthly ministry. And he's got disciples that are following him. Some have followed him for nearly three years now. 
by the time we get to John 14. And they had been following. <clears throat> they were the ones who were fishermen, like Peter. And Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then he told tax collectors, come follow me. And he told others, come follow me. So he had disciples that were following him. And they were seeing his ministry. And they knew who he was. They said, he's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the chosen one. They saw the miracles that he did. And they were just waiting for him to, to, for that moment when he was going to start his kingdom and announce his kingdom to start. But it seemed to get delayed and delayed and delayed. And in the midst of all this, there were some things that Jesus said that probably stuck in their minds that they didn't want to disrupt things because they thought things were going one way. But Jesus was telling them, as he told others, that it would go another. Like in John chapter 7, verse 33, when Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he told the people listening, he said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. And then later on, again, in the temple courts, he was speaking to some Jewish contenders that were contending with him. And Jesus speaking to them, he said, once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Now he told them that they were going to die in their sin because they weren't believing in him. And it's... It's good to note that he didn't say you will die in your sins. But it's a singular. And the sin was rejection of Christ. And if you reject Christ and who he is, that would be considered the unpardonable sin. <laughs> so the disciples are hearing all this. They're seeing him teach. They're seeing him minister. They're seeing him heal. And all, all the once in a while he says, I'm going to leave and you're not going to find me. Where I'm going, you can't come. And then even to get closer to where we're at in this passage, <clears throat> the start of the Passion Week. On that Sabbath before he was in Bethany. And that's when he was at the house. And Mary the sister of Lazarus was there. Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And she was there and she took that very expensive oil and anointed the feet of Jesus. And Thomas got all upset. Or not Thomas, rather, Judas got all upset. Judas was upset because he said, that money could have been used to give to the poor. which we kind of know from other passages, that really wasn't his motive. Because he was the keeper of the money, and he used to take some out of the purse, put it in his pocket. He would kind of take some of that, so he's thinking, man, that's money I could have got. But nonetheless, that was his excuse. 
And when Mary anointed Jesus' feet and Judas objected, Jesus said to them, You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. That's John twelve eight. And then after that, the Passion Week started the next day. That was the Sunday of Palms, as we call it, Palm Sunday, where Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It was triumphal because there were many people who believed in him. And those are the ones that worshipped and said, Hosanna to the one who's coming. They put the palm leaves down. It was a great thing for them, but to the religious people, the religionists of the day, it was an untriumphal entry. Because they were continuing to think of how they could kill him. And now they added Lazarus to the list. Because so many people believe in Jesus because they saw Lazarus raised from the dead. So they thought, we got to kill him too. And then Jesus goes with his disciples into that upper room. And they have the Last Supper. Where Jesus washed their feet, shared with them the bread and the cup, and shared with them at that time. He said, my children, I will be with you in John 13, 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, Where I am going, you cannot come. This is with his inner group. And they started to get a little upset. A little distraught about it. So much so that that's when Peter said, Lord, I don't know where you're going, but let me go with you. Because I will go with you even if I have to die with you. And that's when Jesus replied. Peter. Where I'm going you cannot follow me. But you'll follow later. And then he said. Will you really lay down your life for me? Verse 38. Very truly I tell you. Before the rooster crows you will disown me three times. No doubt that was like being kicked in the gut for Peter. He's probably very distraught, very perplexed, wondering what's going on? What's happening? What? Why can't I go be with him? What's happened? The plans aren't working out. We thought he was going to be Messiah and he was going to show the world. Yet he's going away and I can't go right now. I can't even be with him. We won't find him. What's happening? Now it's kind of unfortunate in one sense... When we look to the scriptures that we have 
chapters and verses. <laughs> because sometimes chapter breaks are in the most inconvenient place to really understand. This is one of those. Because John 14 starts right after this, and it's a continuation of what's going on. The disciples in that upper room were no doubt very upset and very discouraged. And when we get to this passage, we find that the Lord has an answer for them. Now the Lord has been showing them so many things. So many other things that really catapult the idea of him being Messiah and him being the one, of him being the answer, that it excited the disciples as they heard those things throughout the ministry of Jesus. Now I'll point out that the passage that we're in is one of the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. There were seven of them. Just to refresh your memory, in John 6, 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He's the living bread. He who partakes in me will never hunger. and will never die. I am the bread of life. He also said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And if he's the light of the world, there's no darkness. And I'm sure the disciples, when they heard that, they're like, he's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. And then in John 10, 9, he says, I am the gate. And whoever enters in through me will be saved. And in that same message, just very briefly after that, he said the next one, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And the disciples were hearing all these, as well as the rest of the people. And then, after Lazarus died and Jesus went, and Martha met him and was very distraught, that's when Jesus had the next one. When he told her, he said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Because she thought, well, yeah, he'll be raised up in the final day. I know that. And Jesus said, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? And she said, yeah, I do. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. And then in John 15, 1. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine gardener. And he also said later on, I'm the vine and you're the branches in that same context, in that same passage. The only one left is the one where we're at today. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father but except through me. Now, why is this important? Remember, the disciples 
were distraught. They were at their, the end of their rope, so to speak, emotionally. The highs and the lows. And, and here they're at a high in that, in that upper room with Jesus when he washed their feet and shared the bread and the cup and they had that meal with him. But it was in that same meal, you'll remember, that Jesus said that someone would betray him. And they wanted to know who. And John, it says, was kind of leaning back, leaning over by Jesus, the disciple that Jesus loved, is how he always termed himself. And Peter was there, and Peter said, Ask him who it is. He wanted to know. So John said, Who is it? And Jesus said, It's the one who when I take this bread and sop it and hand it to him, and he eats it. And Jesus took the bread and sopped it, reached over to Judas, and Judas took it and ate it. And the scriptures tell us that that's when the devil entered into Judas. And Jesus said, what you have to do, do it now quickly. And then Judas left. And the disciples were still wondering. And Jesus said, I'm going You won't be able to follow me. Peter said, I'll follow you even if it means death. And he said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. So their spiritual chin was dragging the ground. But then Jesus told them in John chapter 14 and verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Lord, you just told me I'm going to deny you three times. And where you're going, I can't go. And he was kind of like, Jesus, did you really say that? I mean... One thing looks one way and one's another. I I don't understand. And Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That was his divine cardiology. Because with that, I'm sure they understood, 
okay, we don't know the whole picture yet. You're leaving, you're going, we can't go with you, all these other things, but now we know that you're going to prepare a place and you're letting us know a little more about that and we know how to get there because you are the way. (laughs) The truth, the life, everything that we need in life. So did Jesus really say that? You bet he did. You bet he did. But what about us? How does that apply to us? How does that apply to you? And how does that apply to me? Well, for us today, when we're discouraged and dismayed and troubled, and we're wondering why things aren't going the way they should, and we feel that life is just giving us misdirections, and the path isn't going where it should, and things just aren't working out, we can rest assured that we can always go back and realize what Jesus said here. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what problems you're facing, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. What more important thing could we have but that? Even with a troubled heart. Even with a physical troubled heart. When I had a troubled heart on July 22nd, 2010 which is about 2,985 days ago, but who's counting? I had a troubled heart at 2 o'clock in the morning. It woke me up out of a dead sleep. My wife called 911. They came, paramedics that I knew and had worked with. They came to my house, they got me to the hospital, and the cardiologist was called, they came in, and I was taken into that cath lab, and after I awoke from the conscious sedation from that, I remember looking at Dr. Anschutz, and he goes, oh, are you back? And I said, yeah, I said, how many stents do I have? And he said, my friend... You're way beyond stents. I said, what? No. He said, oh, yeah. And I said, no, show me. So he pulled the screen down, and I could see the vessels on my heart on the the image, which I'd seen those before, being in the medical field myself. Reminded me of, of clown balloons. You know, the they're all supposed to be like this, but every once in a while they get really skinny. I said, oh, no. Actually, I said, oh, crap. And he said, no, 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 no. It's, it's not all that bad because here and here and here and here, those are your primary attach points and those are in pristine condition. And I'm still foggy from this, the drugs. 
I said, attach points for what? Oh, bypass surgery. You're getting open heart bypass surgery. Oh. I said, oh, no. And he goes, oh, it's not. I've already talked to the surgeon. We've talked about it. And I said, no, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to tell this to my family. He said, oh, I've already been out there and talked to them. They know everything going on. You, you know, you're behind the curve here from waking up. As it came about, they were going to wait and do the surgery the next day, let the surgeon get some rest because he had already done a few bypass surgeries that day. But the big one was looming and was starting. And it revved up and turned into the big one. So they ended up going in, doing the emergency surgery and bypassing a little bit there. Just seven of them. That's all. It's like one coworker I had. He said, it's just like you, Lou. Go big or go home. But it was a while after that that I realized that they had helped me because I was having heart trouble and I needed my heart fixed and mended. But there was a transition from the cath lab to the operating room that was very difficult because as I was waiting... I started to realize with almost absolute certainty that I was going to be with the Lord very quickly. And all I prayed was, Lord, please don't let that happen in front of my family. Wait till I'm in the other room. And I literally prayed that. And when they took me out, We had our prayer time. Pastor Keith was there. He prayed. My family prayed. And then they took me down the hallway. Then I prayed and said, okay, Lord, now I'm ready. Because my physical heart was troubled, but my spiritual heart wasn't. Why? Because I know Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. That no man comes to the Father but by Him. And I know Him as my Lord and Savior. So as a result, many other things came into play. I realized when the scriptures say one of the first memory verses I learned as a new Christian when I was 21, 22 years old. is salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. What do I have to fear? And in 1 John 4.10, I knew this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, for my sins. And I knew that with absolute certainty. 
So the disciples, when they were distraught and they were discouraged and they were upset, the Lord applied to them some divine cardiology. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again. That where I am, you can be also. But how do we know exactly where you're going and how do we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this glimpse in scripture that shows us, Lord, how we can deal with spiritual heart trouble of how you can minister to us through the power of your word that when things don't go the way they should and life doesn't go the way we want it and sometimes we get discouraged and dismayed and we have heavy hearts lord you've told us not to let our hearts be troubled that if we believe in you and god then we have the answer. And Father, we pray that you will take your word and seal it to our hearts today in Jesus' wondrous name. Amen.